Now, you mentioned uh, siloed organizations. And, yeah. you know, when we look at, at dealing with some of our clients, we're, we're very focused on that functional area for customer experience. Is it possible to have an organization that maybe has a bifurcated culture? And can that ultimately be successful? Um, where maybe the, the customer experience organization is really focused, they got your book, they're really focused on developing this great culture, but the company itself is still on a very different level. Um, you know, maybe said differently, is a true um, cultural transformation possible if not all parts of the organization are bought in? And that's a great question. I would say it depends. Um, and I don't mean to cop out, but if, um, if there are uh, if there are different parts of the organization, um, let's just pick two functional areas within a company. If one, one team uh, of that functional area has very high performing, they have a, a really strong culture. They're, they're in an environment where people feel safe to voice their opinions. They're picked up if they stumble. And then alongside that, there's an, another, another kind of functional area that's a little bit more toxic or a lot more toxic. I think those can coexist as long as their paths never cross. And by that, I mean, if I'm a member of the toxic team and I look down the hall or across the aisle or, you know, on a different floor, I know that there's this high performing team with a, with a culture that really attracts people to them. And they are kind of a magnet inside the organization. Well, it stands to reason I'm not going to stand or sit in this toxic environment much longer if there's opportunities over here. So you might say, well, you know, the, the, the high performing organization is capped. They don't have openings. So the, the low performing part of the organization is, is just kind of stuck. No, they, there are other organizations, they can leave the company. So I think if, if, if they are completely siloed, which is by the way, I'm not encouraging or advocating for this setup, but you ask the question, can they coexist? And I think they can, unless they are uh, within the same kind of sphere and people uh, interact with one another. Um, but, uh, but that is, and even if they can coexist, Miguel, I'm, I'm, con I'm convinced that is not sustainable. It's not a long-term recipe for success. Um, because I think one of the biggest opportunities or well, failure points rather is, and we've all been in this scenario, picture yourself on a team of, of 10 other or nine other high performing individuals. And uh, one of those, you know, there's a team of, let's call it a team of 10, right? There's you, eight other high performing individuals and one person that's kind of the boat anchor bringing everybody down. If the leader does not react to that one person, he or she has now endorsed that behavior. Right. So if, if within the organization or within the team, we have 90% of our team is performing well, but the 10% is not being um, addressed. Uh, and so likewise, on a, on a broader scale, that can happen. You have a team that's performing well, another team that's not performing well. Collectively, the team is not performing well when we, when we put those groups together. So someone sitting above that needs to recognize uh, and the, you know, the ultimate leader of those two groups needs to recognize that there's a disparity here and we've got to treat things uh, uh, more evenly. Yeah. And, and that's a, a big question we see in a lot of our clients is um, there, there tends to be that disparity between departments and one department maybe is very focused on driving and doing the right things and actually leading sure, by sure. example where others may not. And, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think it really needs to move up to that next level where that, that boss in some cases may need to really become a leader. Um, you know, just, just following up on kind of a thought, I, I really love the line uh, in the book where you, you talk about sending the sacred cows out to pasture. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, it, it actually reminds me of the whole cow pathing theory, right? Um, you know, people just continue to do things because that's the way they've always done them. Right. And, you know, the cows will continue to go down the path that was there for many years mm -hmm. because it's what they know and what they've seen in the past, even though there might be an easier way uh, for that cow to get from one place to, to the water. Yeah. Um, um, how, how do you see that in organizations and, and um, kind of what, what could a leader do in, in some sense to really help sort of drive better practices in that area? Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise to me after doing a, a, you know, a, a ton of research to write the book in addition to my years in corporate America that sacred cows and the status quo are as prevalent as they are. Think about this. If you're in an, if you're in an environment where uh, every time you stick your hand up because you've got a great idea or the next uh, whiz-bang innovation, but nobody listens, your boss doesn't embrace your provocative thinking, you're only going to do that for a few times. You're not going to continue to raise your hand if nobody's listening. You're not going to continue to put yourself out there. Or worse, you put yourself out there, you make a mistake with this innovative approach to something, and you get your wrist slapped or worse, terminated. So most, and, and by the way, I feel like this is a much bigger issue, the bigger the organization, uh, because there is safety in silence. Uh, you are much safer in big organizations, just keeping your head down, doing the bare minimum, AKA the status quo, and keep the radar off of you. I'm convinced most of us in corporate America, and I was there for a long time, and I admit I subscribe to the same theory, like there is safety in silence. Why would I stick my neck out if I'm going to be, if it's going to be re responded uh, with, with negativity, retribution, or some kind of adverse impact to my ability to earn money? Um, so the sacred cows end up proliferating all over the organization. Um, and what that results in on a macro level is um, um, stale, uh, lather, rinse, repeat, you know, pick any adjective or cliche that you like, but you are far from on the innovative cusp of something really, really special. Now, some would argue that, you know, the bigger the organization, obviously, uh, it's like it, it stands to reason that they're very successful if they've reached, you know, enormous sizes. Um, uh, but at what cost? And what are they bypassing or foregoing in a culture that doesn't allow people that are closest to the action to to uh, nominate ideas, to bring innovations to bear, to to take risks? Um, and it's that boss culture that prevents this uh, those sacred cows from going out to pasture because. That boss, as we talked about a moment ago, is so keen to find the first time somebody makes a mistake, write them up, put them on some type of disciplinary action. Where's the incentive to be great when, when I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be beaten over the head if I stumble. So the solution is quite simple in my mind. You've got to, it's, it's simple in theory. It's difficult to execute. And that is creating a culture or an environment where everyone's voice is heard. And if they come with a good solution, we acknowledge that Miguel brought this great solution. We share it wide because that encourages what? Other people to do the same thing. Likewise, and almost as equally as important, when someone brings an idea that we're not going to pursue for whatever the reason might be, is communicating to that person directly why we're not following that, that uh, recommendation, but please keep those good ideas coming. And we share more broadly that you know this is being considered. We opted not to travel down this path because of X, Y, Z. 
And the most important word in that sentence is why, like, why are we not going forward with, with the plan that, or the thought or the approach that you serviced? Um, because that why matters a whole heck of a lot. I found that people are much more accepting of negative news or a no, if they understand the why behind it. Um, so until someone breaks that cycle and allows a team to fail or a person on the team or people on the team to fail uh, because they were trying something new or being innovative, um, there, there's just no incentive to do anything other. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I am. Um... I'm a strong believer in, in developing mentors in organizations. And I had a great mentor, um, which you both know for, for many, many years. And um, he used to always say, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always what got. You've always gotten. That's right. And I thought he came up with it. And a few years ago, I looked it up and it was actually Henry Ford. Is that uh, right? I didn't the, know that. Uh, the concept and the idea of, people just doing the same thing over and over and getting the same result is one that is, is pretty much out there for many years. And then I think Jack Welch also uh, coined the term not invented here. Yeah. And, and if it wasn't something that GE did, they never took ideas from the outside. And it was just a very closed uh, closed environment to any outside ideas or concepts. Well, and what a soul-sucking existence, right? If every single day I've got to get up go to the office or log on to a Zoom call, whatever your personal scenario is, to know that I am, a, I am afforded the opportunity to do right up to where I can get super creative and bring new solutions and innovative, you know, innovative opportunities for us to do things differently. But I know if I bring it up, I'm, I'm, gonna, be, I'm gonna be an outcast. Um, and that's why, you know, Miguel, we haven't walked through any of the, the principles. I think we touched on a couple, but my favorite we of all the principles is we challenge each other. And I think it's absolutely critical for the organization or for a leader to set the tone that challenges are not only accepted, they're encouraged. You challenge your peers, you challenge your leader, you challenge everyone around you, because let's face it, in everything in life, well, almost, but nearly every single thing in life, the result of progress is found from overcoming one or more challenges. It's, it's in our personal lives, it's in our spiritual lives, and it's certainly in our professional lives. But if we don't welcome those challenges, and more importantly, or just as important, the following we is number nine, that's we embrace challenge. If we don't welcome those challenges, embrace them when they come, we are denying improvement opportunities. We are embracing the status quo. We are embracing those sacred cows. So it's just, it's just absolutely critical to be in an environment where people know it's okay to challenge one another. Um, but most importantly of everything I just said, though, if the leader uh, subscribes to this philosophy, he or she better be prepared to deal with those challenges or else they're a hypocrite. And the principles are a house of cards at that point because the team is watching you. They're watching to see if you respond in the way that you're evangelizing these principles. So as the leader, be prepared for those challenges, embrace them and grow from them. Yeah. And I think that goes to number two, which is leading by example, right? As Amen. So. Amen. Um, Kyle, I, I, I will be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you use the word ethos throughout the book and Alicia has to love it given that her company is Brand Ethos. Um, tell us a little bit about sort of where that thought comes from and really how the word ethos is, uh, is a thread throughout the book. Well, I mean, it's, it's really very simple. I mean, when you, when you think about the word ethos, it's, it's, it's literally the characteristic spirit of a culture by definition, like I didn't make it up. Um, so when we talk about culture, 
um, you know, I always attach the word ethos to some type of descriptor or adjective to talk about that, that, you know, how you should or could view a culture, whether good or bad. So, you know, it's, it's, it, frankly, it's just a different slant on the same word culture. I get asked a lot. I've been doing a ton of podcasts, you know, Kyle, how do you find culture? And I would say it's the environment in which we operate. Similarly, ethos, it's the environment in which we operate, but it's the characteristic of that environment as well. Well, Kyle, thank you so much uh, for your time. This is awesome. Um, I really tried to come up with one of my favorite and it's, it's difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm a real strong believer in, the, in your 10 principles. It's something I've tried to do my entire career. I just never sat down and really was able to put them together like this. And it's just, uh, it's a great tool, I think, for any um, developing leader uh, and any developing organization or even mature organizations that tend to find themselves in a place where uh, culture is one of the challenges that they face every day. You know, Miguel, I need to react to one thing you just said, and it's it's really very powerful, is you have thought about principles similar to these, but not necessarily packaged them in a way and said, I'm going to subscribe to these on a daily basis or, or you know, whatever the right uh, period of time is. And that's the beauty of aligning around principles. I'm not naive, and, I'm, I, and I'll be the first to admit, if you take any one of my principles and look at them in isolation, it's kind of like... Of course, we're going to lead by example. Every great leader leads by, of course, we're going to do the right thing. But when you combine them and put them into a package, for lack of a better term, and align the organization around those principles, they begin to fuel the organization. The point here is to be very, very overt around the principles to which we will subscribe. Um, you know, similar to the ethos conversation, I'm going to nerd out for just one second. Uh, by definition, a principle is a foundational belief. It's something that we hold to be true. Mission statements are great. Values, you know, any of those kind of corporate buzzwords or lingo, they're all great. Uh, but rarely do they connect the employee to the work that they deliver on a daily basis. They're usually these nebular grand statements that, you know, especially to an entry-level employee, but, um, you know, throughout the organization more, more tragically is they don't, that, that mission statement doesn't speak to me or compel me to behave in a way that delivers excellence. But- if the team aligns itself around principles, very simple principles, when you're faced with adversity, when you're trying to grow the team, when you're trying to uh, transform a team or a culture or an entire organization for that matter, you've got these principles that are what? Foundational beliefs that we subscribe to. And we lean against these every single day. And we're not, we're not inconspicuous about it. We're very, very conspicuous about it. One of my favorite examples is, again, uh, using the same we as this example, is we challenge each other. When the 10 we's became more of our, of our daily nomenclature in that organization that I mentioned, uh, a day would not go by. This is no exaggeration where I wouldn't hear a colleague ask another colleague a question, but they always prefaced it when it was going to be a challenge. They would say, Miguel, hey, listen, man, we challenge each other, right? And naturally, the person on the receiving end of that challenge, you can almost see their shoulders drop a little bit. They become more at ease versus Miguel. Why did you deliver poor performance yesterday? Or why were your reports late yesterday? But if I preface it with the challenge, like, oh, wait, something just triggered my brain. This is the foundational belief that I've subscribed to. This is how the team conducts itself. I need to embrace this challenge. And thus, uh, you've created an environment for open dialogue for others to challenge one another. That's amazing. It's safe. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's safe. It feels safe. That's you're, right. 
you're not attacking, um, you know, you're on the same team. And I think your response, you know, it's like the compliment sandwich, right? When you're, when you're coaching someone, I call it a compliment sandwich, is that they lean in, you know, a little bit. I think it's brilliant. And I think these guiding principles, I felt the same way, Miguel, actually, and I, we had lunch yesterday and talked about it. And, you know, it's, there, it's just a playbook that people right. can use. Um, and it's, it's just a great way. Well, I grew up, I worked for Wayne Huizinga as my first job and we had our guiding principles and it just without fail. And I think that was the success. If you're, if you're familiar with Wayne Huizinga and his businesses was why we were able to grow so quickly um, and, and massively. And I think, um, you know, I think you're onto something. So, so well, Miguel, sorry, I'll turn it back to you. I just wanted to add that the yard thank people you. were here, which is why I was on mute most of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, Kyle, as, as we discussed prior to jumping on the call, we, we uh, typically end these sessions with um, a favorite restaurant in your travels around the world. But mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a twist at you. Was there one in Lawrence, Kansas that you like? <laughs> uh, you know, I have to admit, when I travel on business, I'm not very creative or adventurous. So I was probably at a courtyard and the courtyards typically have uh, a pretty good little section. Uh, the bistro, is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah they do uh, a good job with the powdered eggs too. Where you can gr- get a great powdered egg omelet. Um, a, uh, yeah, no, I, I, can't, I, can't, I cannot point to a restaurant in Lawrence, Kansas. So globally, what's uh, your... Uh, I'm torn between two answers, actually. Uh, one is a place called Lolita's in Boston, which is a, a Mexican restaurant, which is incredible i mean from vibe to food atmosphere it's just it's a really fun experience um as a as a as an appetizer whether you order or not if you're of age they bring a chilled tequila uh like slushy it's a bowl with like slushy Uh tequila and then likewise whether you order or not after dinner you get cotton candy uh, which is always fun. And then my, my competing uh, restaurant is uh, essentially it's a dive um, over in Pinellas County, the other side of the Bay. It's called VIP. Uh, also a Mexican place. Don't look around. Don't look back in the kitchen. Don't look, just, just eat your food. Enjoy it. It'll be some of the best you've ever had and margaritas that are uh, probably too strong to be legal. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, I will definitely add those two to my list. I have not, uh, had the chance to, to dine at either of the two. Um, once again, Kyle, thank you so much for your time today. Um, really appreciate you uh, doing the podcast and um, we look forward to the next one. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Great to see you both and uh, happy I could help out today. Good to see you. We're excited. So where can we get your book, Kyle? Wherever you buy books. So uh, Begin With We, Principles for Building and Sustaining a Culture of Excellence is available in audiobook, ebook, hardcover, paperback, wherever you buy books. Amazon's obviously an easy option, Barnes and Noble as well. Um, and then also you can find me on my socials at, at Kyle McDowell Inc. And of course my website is kylemcdowellinc.com. That's excellent. Um, I encourage everybody to read it. It is a, it is a great read. It's a great playbook. And um, no matter if you're starting out in business or if you've, if you've been doing it a little bit, uh, it's definitely something that, um, that you'll get something out of. So thank you for joining us. It's come back and visit, bring us a couple of new restaurant ideas what you do, and uh, we'll add it to our collection. So thank you so much for listening in to another episode of CX on Point with Miguel Ramos. I'm Alicia Leshesky. Make it a great day.